Malachi chapter 1, beginning in verse 6, A son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is mine honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? Saith the Lord of hosts unto you, O priests that despise my name. And ye say, Wherein have we despised thy name? Ye offer polluted bread upon mine altar, and ye say, Wherein have we polluted thee? In that ye say, The table of the Lord is contemptible. And if you offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And if you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it now unto thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee, or accept thy person, saith the Lord of hosts? And now I pray you beseech God that he will be gracious unto us. This has been by your means. Will he regard your person, saith the Lord of hosts? Who is there even among you that would shut the doors for naught? Neither do you kindle fire on mine altar for naught. I have no pleasure in you, saith the Lord of hosts, neither will I accept an offering at your hand. For from the rising of the sun, even unto the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles, and in every place incense shall be offered unto my name, and a pure offering. For my name shall be great among the heathen, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye have profaned it, in that ye say the table of the Lord is polluted, and the fruit thereof, even his meat is contemptible. Ye said also, Behold, what a weariness is it, and ye have snuffed at it, saith the Lord of hosts. And ye brought that which was torn, and the lame, and the sick. Thus ye brought an offering. Should I accept this of your hand, saith the Lord? But cursed be the deceiver, which hath in his flock a male, and voweth, and sacrificeth unto the Lord a corrupt thing. For I am a great king, saith the Lord of hosts, and my name is dreadful among the heathen. As I said just a moment ago, I do think one of the things that happens today is that we just lose the wonder that, hey, I'm coming in here, God's going to be here, Jesus is going to be here, the Holy Spirit's here, and I'm coming in to worship God. Amen. Let's look back at a little history for a moment. By the time we get to Malachi, worship in Israel had become so corrupted that it could be described at best as a mere habit, and at its very worst, a drudgery. If you look at it, you look at what their assessment of worship was in those days. They said, what a weariness it is. What a weariness is it, he says. That word weariness talks about trouble, distress. You know, it's just a lot of trouble to get up and go to church. I mean, you got to put on your good clothes, and you got to wake up a little bit earlier, and you got to do all of this and prepare. And so they were just saying it's a whole lot of trouble. It is a distress. It's literally from a word that means to tire or to tire out. And so they said it's just wearing us out, going to church so much. And then their attitude that's seen also in verse 13. The Lord said, you've snuffed at it. And that word snuffed has the idea of doing something like this. And you may have done this when somebody told you something and, and you know, you really didn't believe it. You just sort of go, like that. That's what snuffing is. You've snuffed at it. Church time, man, I'm not really ready to go to church time again. It, it's really to... The meaning is puff and disesteem. You're no longer esteeming it, but you're just letting it go aside, not pay attention to it. And then in verses 7 and verse 12, their animosity toward worship. This is where worship had become. They said the table of the Lord is contemptible. That word contemptible has the idea of being, again, disesteemed, to make little account of. It's just church, right? You know, I've actually heard people say, well, it's just business meeting. You know what I say when people say that? If you don't attend business meeting, you vote for everything the church voted to do, and you vote against everything the church voted against. 
You know, that's how important it is. I've heard people say, well, we're just observing the Lord's Supper. Just observing the Lord's Supper. The memorial supper that the Lord put in his churches to remember his sacrifice for us, it's just the Lord's Supper. But they find it, according to this verse, contemptible. And then they said, the table of the Lord is polluted. That word polluted means to soil or to desecrate, ceremonially unclean, to defile. And so they had little regard for the worship of God. Now, it's my sincere prayer that this has never been your attitude toward the worship of Almighty God. Amen. I pray you have never felt that way. I did hear about one man who had felt that way. His wife came in one morning, woke him up, said, it's time to go to church. He said, I don't want to go. She said, but you need to get up and go to church. He said, I don't want to go. She said, why don't you want to go? He said, because I don't like going to church. Those people at that church don't like me and I don't like them. He said, give me one reason why I should get up and go to church. She said, you're the pastor. You have to go. Okay. You know, sometimes pastors feel like that. But I sincerely pray that's never been our attitude, the attitude of Israel. Listen to what God said about trying to worship him with that kind of an attitude. You look at verse 10. Who is there even among you that would shut the doors for naught? Neither do you kindle fire upon mine altar for naught. I have no pleasure in you, saith the Lord of hosts. Neither will I accept an offering at your hand. You know what he's saying very literally? He's saying, I wish somebody would just nailed the door of the temple shut so you wouldn't come up here and try to worship me with that attitude. He's telling you, you're better off to stay home if that's your attitude. Till you get your attitude fixed. He said, I just would wish you'd nail the door of the temple shut. The greatest malady of our day, I believe, is the lack of true worship by God's people. You know, there are folks today, and I've pastored some of these, that attend church like they're doing God big favor. Lord, you're lucky to have me there today. They can hardly wait for the services to be over, you know, just sort of, oh, well, we made it through the scene, that's time for the preaching, and once they're over, they leave and think with this attitude, I've done my duty again. We should never be that way. It should never be our attitude. For people like this, the thrill's gone. The wonder's gone. The joy of assembling together with God's people and in a corporate body, singing praises to God and worshiping the God of heaven. Let me remind you, and I know you probably know this, but let me remind you, you are not here this morning to worship the pastor. You're not here to worship the music director, the musicians, if someone sings a special or what. We are not here to worship any one person. And I think that's part of the problem. We get our focus off of who we're here to worship and what we're supposed to be doing while we're here. We're here to worship God. And I'll say again, I just hope that this attitude that I've described doesn't describe you. But if you are tired of church, this message is for you. If you're watching by live stream and you're tired of church, this message is for you. See, when you see who God really is, all right, when you see who God really is, enthusiasm will result. Amen. And there needs to be enthusiasm in the worship service. How would you like an unenthusiastic preacher? Oh, okay, let's uh, turn in our Bibles to, um, you know, and sort of preach that way. By the way, you know that word enthusiasm, it's from two Greek words, en, E-N, and that's our word, in. And theos, which is God. Enthusiasm is from two Greek words which mean in God. 
You cannot believe what you're supposed to know, what you're supposed to believe about God, about the truth of the Word of God, about our worship of God, and be lukewarm about it. You're going to be enthusiastic about it. And so I pray that this message will help us restore the wonder, the reality, the life to our worship of God in case anybody has lost that. And again, help us to understand we're not here for the preacher. We're not here for any member. We are here because God would have us to be here. Here's three ways of keeping the wonder in our worship. First of all, recognize the nature of God. Just recognize the nature of God. Look at verse 6. God says, a son honoreth his father and a servant his master. First of all, honor God as a father. If you're saved, God is your father. He is your heavenly father. And so what does a child owe to his father? The scripture says, honor thy father and thy mother. That word honor means place of value. It means to consider them important, consider them precious and valuable, attach a weight to them, take them seriously. A child, and we would say this to our children, wouldn't we? You're going to honor me. You know, I used to tell ours, you may not like me, but you're going to respect me because I'm dad. Amen. You may not like my decisions, but I'm still dad, and you're going to give me the honor I deserve as dad. And we would tell that to our children. Well, we are children of God. And God deserves our honor. We ought to put a weight and a take God seriously. If we don't take God seriously, folks, worship will be a bother to us. It's going to be a drudgery, just like it was for Israel. Here's what we need to understand. God's my Father, and God loves me. Amen. You know, our dad, I knew, I had no doubt, no question ever that our dad loved us. Well, how much more does God love us? And so we just need to understand that. And again, people who don't honor God don't take him seriously. God would rather we not attempt to worship him at all than to come with some kind of half-hearted worship. That's what he's saying to Israel, and that's what he would say to us. Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, what did Jesus tell that church at Laodicea? He says, you're not hot, you're not cold. He says, you're lukewarm. And he says, because you're lukewarm, I will spew thee out of my mouth. We don't come with lukewarm worship. Somebody said lukewarmness is the worst form of blasphemy. For a child of God to be lukewarm toward God, to try to come and worship God in lukewarmness is blasphemy. What it's saying is, Lord, you're not worthy of my wholehearted worship. And so we need to give him the worship he deserves. We're not going to take the time to turn there, but in the first chapter of the book of Isaiah, verses 10 through 15, the Lord had a whole lot to say about Israel's worship there also. And again, he said, when you make your many prayers, I won't hear, because they were trying to half-heartedly worship him. So first of all, honor God as a father. That'll help you worship. But also this, God says again here in verse 6, he says he's also a master a son honoreth his father, a servant his master. If I then be a father, where is mine honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? Honor God as a father, fear him as a master. We are servants of God. We owe God our fear. We owe God that holy awe. We owe God that reverence that he is deserving of. You know, today when 
we see something amazing or somebody says something amazing to us or something like that, how do we respond a lot of the time? Awesome. I think that's become a byword these days, but we just respond awesome. Well, guess what? And I say this very reverently. Our God is an awesome God. Amen. Folks, he is awesome as to his person. He is awesome as to his power. He's even awesome when he has to in his punishments. Hebrews 10.31 says, It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. We serve an awesome God. And we must understand our position. Yes, we're children, but we're also servants of God. How did the Apostle Paul see himself? He used the term doulos, bond servant, bond slave. A bond slave was bought and paid for. We have been bought out of the slave market of sin by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ according to 1 Corinthians 6 verses 19 and 20. Let me just read it right quickly. What, know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own? For you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. The price paid for me, the price paid for you, the price paid for this church was the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And so we're to recognize that relationship of being a servant of God, being a servant of the Lord. Instead of being frivolous about things at church, we ought to be considering the Lord Jesus Christ. God's saying right here, said, you ought to be fearing me. Exodus chapter 20, verse 20. Moses said this, and, and this is a healthy fear, by the way. Moses said this, said to the people, Fear not, for God has come to prove you that his fear may be before your faces that ye sin not. We're to keep God before us. You know, as we go through the day, I don't mean we have to be singing hymns and quoting scripture all day long as we go through the day, but we need to go through the, you know, some time ago, and I've forgotten how long ago it was. Now, the way time goes, it may have been a couple of years ago. I wrote a little something, put it on the Facebook page about God consciousness. So many times we're conscious of God at church. But are we conscious of God in the mornings when we get up and we go into our day? Conscious of God when we go to work? Conscious of God when we go to school? Conscious of God when we're involved in our enjoyable activities that we do, our exercise and things like that? Do we have a God consciousness in? That's what we're talking about, being conscious of God. There's two kinds of fear. There's the outward fear of circumstances, but there's the inward fear or the inward reverence of God. Somebody said this, if you'll have the right fear, fear of God, you won't fear anything else. Amen. If you have the right attitude toward God, if the fear of God is before you, the man who can kneel before God is the man who can stand before any man. And we don't have to be afraid. You know what fear of God is? Fear of God is love for God on its knees. It is that awe that we talked about. It is that reverence that is due the name of God. Two things will put life in a worship service. Number one is the fear of God and number two is the honor of God or vice versa. You can say the honor of God and the fear of God. Those will put life in a worship service. We should never sit in a worship service without honoring God and we should never sit in a worship service without fearing, without reverencing God. So first of all, recognize the nature of God. But secondly, from these verses, reverence the name of God. What made Israel's worship a weirdness? Well, God tells them. He said, you've despised my name. 
they had profaned God's name in two ways. They had profaned his name with their so-called sacrifices and they had profaned his name with their so-called service. God's name among Israel in verses 7 and 12 we read had been despised. First of all with their sacrifices. Look at what they said. The table of the Lord is contemptible. You know what the table of the Lord was? The table of the Lord was the place where we, they would take the animal sacrifices, they would cut those sacrifices up, and they would get them ready for the burnt offering. That's what the table of the Lord was. Someone mentioned that it, it has the idea of a meal, preparing a meal. And so they just said it's contemptible. And again, why was it contemptible? How had they made it contemptible? Well, you look at verses 8 and verse 13. They'd take and offer God a flea-bitten goat. Maybe a blind sheep, maybe a animal sacrifices, some animal that had been killed by another wild animal, and they would just take that. You know, sort of like saying, well, I got this animal that died over here. I can take that and offer that as a sacrifice. Well, that's not what God said to do, was it? But that's what they were doing. You know what the Bible says about such a thing? Exodus chapter 22, verse 31, the Lord says you're not supposed to. He's saying to, to his people, He's saying to Israel, you find something, an animal that's been killed by a wild animal? He said, you don't eat it. He said, here's what you do. He said, you feed it to the dogs. You know what Israel was trying to worship God with, what their offering to God, their sacrifice to God was? Dog food. That's what they were using. Exodus chapter 22 and Leviticus 22 says that every offering made to the Lord is to be unblemished. Now, why was every offering made to the Lord to be unblemished? Well, what did that offering picture? Picture the Lord Jesus Christ. It pictured the pure, virgin-born, sinless Son of God. And they were to, in, in a picture, to offer that as an offering. And so God said it just must be without spot and it must be without blemish. And when they were giving these other things, Animals that had been killed by other animals and maybe a sick animal or something wrong with it, a lame animal or something like that. They were insulting God with their offering, with their sacrifice. You know why? God deserves our best. Amen. We should never bring less than our best when we come to worship God. You know, we get up on a Sunday morning sometimes and and maybe we're not feeling 100% or whatever it may be. And, and uh, it, it, maybe we may not feel like giving God our best. But when we come here, we need to give him our best. Sometimes I will go away from here feeling like I didn't give God my best. I wasn't prepared as well as I should have been prepared. God deserves our best. We sing that song about our best. Unto him is due our best, our all. There's a phrase that should never be heard, I think, in the service of God. You know what that phrase is? Good enough. That's good enough. Now, when I'm doing something around the house, I may get it to a certain point and say, that's good enough. But when it comes to worshiping God, we should just never say, that's good enough. There's a song we sing, I wonder have I done my best for Jesus when he has done so much for me. But if we give him less than the best, if we give him the cast off, the cast away, if we give him second best, Vance Havner had a term that he used. He said, we make him Lord of the leftovers. 
Lord, I'll do my thing and then whatever's left, yeah, I'll give it to you. I've known, in fact, uh, you know who I'm talking about, a young woman, beautiful voice, but she spent most of her early years singing in nightclubs and places like that, and then she finally decided to come back around and start giving what she had left to God. She made him Lord of the leftovers with her life. We should never give less than the best because God says, I'm insulted by that. Say, we need to give God our best. If our gift means little to us, it'll mean little to God. Remember what David said, and I like pointing this out. David said about his worship of God when he was trying to buy the threshing floor of Aruna. He said, I'll not, Aruna wanted to give it to him. He said he wouldn't worship God with that which did not cost him anything. That ought to be our attitude. You want to really worship God, bring your first fruits, bring your best. But then they profane the name of God with their service. They said the table of the Lord is polluted. Profane means to wound. It applies to the staining of something that is beautiful and glorious. The name of God is beautiful and the name of God is glorious and they had profaned it. See, there's more than one kind of profanity. Not all profanity takes place in the pool hall. Some profanity takes place at church. It's not profanity of the mouth, it's profanity of the heart. The Bible says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. But you know, as believers and as a church, we can do that. We may never say a curse word, but we can still, if we're not careful, take the name of God in vain. When we sing these songs of praise, and it's coming from here and not from here, folks, that's taking God's name in vain. That's not giving Him our best. That's not giving Him our all. When our minds wander during the prayer, during the sermon, we cook lunch, or we decide where we're going to eat in the middle of the message, or at the end of the service, we start to become clock watchers and watch the clock and say, when's that preacher going to get through? If it really is a message from the Word of God, we're profaning the name of God. We only pay partial attention to the message. We're busy doing other things. All of that is profaning the name of God. It's, not, it's taking the name of the Lord God in vain. And here's what God said. I've already pointed this out, but here's what God said in verse 10. He said, why doesn't somebody just nail the door of the church house shut? It's better to do that than to practice this vain worship. And the Lord would say to his churches today, if all you're going to do is play at church, you know what play at church is? That's just my phrase that I like to use. But you know what play at church is? We come in and do all the churchy things. Call each other brother and sister, you know. Sing the songs. Sit and look like we're listening intently while the sermon's going on and all of that. But we're not really doing what a church ought to do. That's what I call playing church. God says if you're going to do that, if you're going to pretend to worship me, you're better off just shutting the door. Going through the motions is what he's talking about. Going through the motions of worship. If we're going to worship God, folks, he must be present, right? Amen. You can't worship somebody you do not know. And what had Ezekiel said in the book of Ezekiel, God through Ezekiel had said in the book of Ezekiel about the temple? What had God written over the temple? Ichabod. You know what Ichabod means? The spirit has departed. They were going through the motions. They were pretending to worship God, but God wasn't even present in his spirit. What did Jesus say to the 
church at Ephesus in the book of Revelation, the second chapter in the fifth verse. He said, remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place except thou repent. You know what he's saying? I'll write Ichabod over the door of the church house if you don't get back to being what you're supposed to be, doing what you're supposed to be as one of my churches. I'm going to give you my, this is an opinion warning right here. I'm going to give you my opinion. And it's worth whatever value you put on it. But here's my opinion. We'd be better off with fewer churches and all of them on fire for the Lord than to have so many that are merely going through the motions today. We need churches that are on fire for God. We're living in the last days. We were talking about that in Sunday school. I said, we're living in an exciting time. We're seeing prophecy fulfilled before our eyes. The very things that Jesus talked about in that 24th chapter of Matthew. False Christs. Wars and rumors of wars. Earthquakes. Pestilences. I said, you know what COVID is? It's a pestilence. Pestilences. False prophets. Sin abounding, iniquity abounding, so that the love of many wax cold, waxes cold. We're seeing it happen. Jesus said it's coming. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, which says the day will not come. The day of the Lord's return will not come except there come a divorcing of the truth by many of God's people and many of the Lord's churches. We're seeing it happen, folks. We're living in the end. Somebody had a Facebook post the other day, said, I've forgotten exactly how it said, we're on rapture watch now. You know, we're so close, we're just watching. But I'll say again, half-hearted worship is an insult to God. God's name had been despised among Israel, but look, among us, God's name is to be declared. Verse 11, what does verse 11 say? From the rising of the sun, even of the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles, and in every place incense shall be offered unto my name, and a pure offering, for my name shall be great among the heathen, saith the Lord of hosts. You know what that's talking about? That is looking forward to the day that Jesus Christ would come to this earth and the day that the Lord would turn to the Gentiles. We're living in that day. We call that day the church age. We call it the last days. We call it the last age. But we are living right now in that time. And God says, my name will be praised. And he said, he will get the glory that's due unto his name. We come in here to worship. Again, we need to realize that we're coming into the presence of Almighty God. And as we come into the presence of Almighty God, there's only one thing we can do. We've got to praise Him. We've got to glorify His name. We've got to worship Him. How precious is the name of Jesus? Well, there's salvation in that name. The scripture says in Acts 4, 12, neither is there salvation in any other. For well, there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. We worship in that name. Ephesians 3.21 Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. In Matthew 18 verse 20 Where two or three are gathered together in my name there am I in the midst of them. We worship in his name. There's authority in his name. Jesus said all power, all authority is given unto me. Matthew 28.18 In heaven and in earth. There is answered prayer in that name. He said, if you ask anything in my name, I'll give it. That's how precious the name of the Lord Jesus is. And we come to worship God in his church through the Lord Jesus Christ. And God's name is to be declared. 
So there is recognize the nature of God, reverence the name of God. And here's something else that will put the wonder or keep the wonder in our worship. Respect the nobility of God. What do you mean respect the nobility of God? How do you respect the nobility of God? You keep your word. You keep your vows. If God is a great king, and that's what he says he is in verse 14. He said, I'm a great king. And he says, my name is dreadful among the heathen. And since he is a great king, you need to keep your word to him. Listen to Ecclesiastes chapter 5, beginning in verse 4. When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. You made a promise to God? Keep it. Say, I haven't made any promises to God. Just hold on. Better is it that thou shouldest not vow than that thou shouldest vow and not pay. Suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin, neither say thou before the angel that it was an error. Wherefore, or why, should God be angry at thy voice and destroy the work of thine hands? For in the multitude of dreams and many words there are also divers vanities, but fear thou God. He said all that just to say, keep your word. Keep your promises to God. And somebody said, well, I didn't make any promises. Oh, but you did. When you joined this church, you made some promises to God. Now, I had a debate with a man about this just recently. He said, he talked about the church covenant. He said, I, I don't want to come under any covenant like that. What is a New Testament church? It is a body of believers covenanted together to carry out the commands of the Lord. Amen. We have hanging on our wall a church covenant. I'm about to decide that annually I just need to have that series of lessons on the church covenant. Just one time out of the year, just go through the church covenant. So we're reminded of what we're covenanted together to do. But we made some vows. We promised to sustain the worship of this church. You go read the church covenant. We promised to support the worship of this church. Just go read the church covenant. It's in there. You say, well, that's just written by men. Yes, it is written by men, but as I have prepared that study through the church covenant, the way I've prepared it is that I show that everything that we have covenanted together to do is in the Word of God. Amen. And this man said, well, why don't we just read the Word of God? I said, a lot of times it'll take a long time to go through the Word of God and study it and find all the things we've covenanted together to do, but we have a very brief description in that covenant, but you can go to the Word of God and you can find that we've agreed to do it. So we made some promises. We made promises to one another. Also in becoming members of this church. So just keep our promises. That'll add life to your worship. That'll put the wonder back in the worship. Respect God's nobility by giving him the best. Look at verse 8. You offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? If you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it now to thy Governor, hey, we've got a fellowship coming up at the end of this month. I got an idea. Let's invite the governor. You say, man, I don't know if we could do that. What will he be expecting? Don't worry about it. I can get some roadkill. <laughs> Wouldn't that be? Now, there's some people who might think he deserved that. There's some people who might not think so. But you get what I'm saying? If we knew the governor was coming and he was coming to our fellowship, we would put on the dog, wouldn't we? Oh, man, it, you talk about food. We have a lot of food at our fellowships anyway, but I tell you, there'd be twice, <clears throat> hint, hint, as many spring rolls as usual. <laughs> All right? 
I mean, we would just go all out. Why? It's the governor. And yet, these were just giving God the leftovers. Let's invite the governor and serve him leftovers, okay? No. That's what he's saying. Give God your best. Don't offer a corrupt thing. Don't offer that which doesn't cost you anything. It may cost you your pride. It may cost you some time. It might cost some money. But if we're going to worship God and we're going to respect his nobility, be willing to give him that which costs and then respect his nobility by honoring his name. You look at verse 14. What does he say? My name is dreadful among the heathen. That word dreadful means to be feared. Should I dare say that I think it's possible that there are some lost people who have more fear of the name of God than some saved people? Well, I'm a child of God. I can do what I want to. I'm, I'm going to heaven when I die. I'm not worried about it. Better be careful. You might get there before you plan to, too, with that attitude. Remember Ananias and Sapphira, who didn't keep their vows, who went to heaven long before they thought they would. Say, if I sin, can I still go to heaven? Yes, and you may go fast, too. All right. We wouldn't address the president or the governor. Well, our dad, I never addressed him as Lawrence or Elsie. He had a nickname that mother would use, and I didn't dare use to call him Jake, you know. He was dead. In other words, we show respect to people who are in positions of authority and positions of honor. God deserves even greater respect. Amen. We must show honor and respect for his name. Listen, never speak God's name casually. It is holy. But even God's people have been turned into doing, listen, please don't. If you text, please don't put OMG. Not in a text to me. I know what it's supposed to mean. Oh my God. I mean, you got people in Hollywood who don't even believe in God. Something happens, they'll say, oh my God. That's taking God's name casually. God's name is holy. We should never take it casually. And we should never disgrace the name of God. You know, when I read in the news or I see something about somebody named Harris, <laughs> just the last name, I think, boy, I sure hope they behave themselves. And one who has the same first name as me, I really hope they behave themselves. Why? I kind of like our family name. I'm kind of proud of it. Don't want to disgrace. Well, listen, as children of God, we wear a family name. We may call it Christian. We may call it believer. We may call it child of God. I don't know what we may call it, but we wear a family name that identifies us with, that identifies us with God. And don't you think that God may be saying sometime, child of mine, act right. Don't disgrace my name. Don't say anything or do anything that would harm my name. There's three things we've learned of God in this message. God is our Father. We are His children. And so we must give Him our love. Number two, God is our Master. And we are his servants. We need to give him our labor. We need to be willing to work for him. And he is our king. And we are his subjects. And he deserves our loyalty. As a father we should honor him. As a master we should serve him. And as a king 
we should bow before him. And we are never in greater company than when we are in the presence of Almighty God and we are in his presence at all times, but especially and in a very special way when we gather together. You know, again, Jesus said where two or three are gathered together, I'm there in the midst of them. And so in a special way, he's here with us today. Did we think about that when we sang, as we listened to the message when we prayed? We're in the presence of the great King and the Almighty God today. Let's give him the glory, the honor, and the worship that he deserves.